Good morning, everybody. We might be getting better at clapping. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Take your Bibles and turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 with me this morning. Singing about the Holy Spirit just really moving in us. You know, it says break the levee. About 1993, 94, I don't know what it was, but we lived about an hour east of the Mississippi River in Illinois, and they had a 100-year basically flood, they called it. And uh, so the Mississippi was overflowing all kinds of different places. And one night on the news we were watching and this levee breaks and on the Mississippi, right? This is not a small river. And so this levee breaks and there's a house or two right there off the levee. And man, the water just washed them away. I mean, it just took them sitting on their foundations and just twisted them off the foundations. And they were just gone. And you, you want to say, let the levy break on the Holy Spirit. You know, God, uh, God does powerful things. God doesn't do casual things. And sometimes I think we'd prefer him doing casual things. But when we talk about the church like we have been, and we talk about God wanting to do more than we can ask or imagine uh, according to the power that's at work in us so that he would receive glory in his church and in Christ Jesus now, he's not, he's not talking about us as a church kind of getting a little bit of taste of him or being filled by him a little bit. There's no such thing as a little bit of God. Right? He's all God. He's beyond our comprehension, and he wants to show his glory and his power in his church. But, but there's some things that are involved with that. And, and we talked about, of course, I've been gone sporadically the last few weeks, but as we've gone through the last part of Ephesians chapter 4, we've talked about the fact that God wants us as his children to, to put away the old ways of life and to put away the old self. And he's talking about the old self that, that lived without Christ. The old self that was, they were, we were unbelievers that walked in the futility of our thinking or in the dead-endedness of our thinking where there was there was no purpose to our life. There was no, no end place, if you will, no blessing in our life. And man, you talk about a challenge to put away the old and then to put on the new self. It literally says that, to put on the new self. And I, I want to make sure I get this right because it's in chapter 4, verse 24. It says, and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. What God wants from his people is, is not some kind of apathetic, indifferent, half-hearted commitment and life in Christ Jesus. He really would prefer that we open our hearts up to him completely, surrender ourselves to him completely to where he would let that, that floodgate open, if you will. And we'd be useful to him and, and we'd have such an impact in our world I mean, of all the things that are struggling today, it's, it's not just the church. I believe the church in America is struggling. I believe we are indifferent. I believe we are apathetic. I believe we are this place where we have higher priorities than Jesus Christ, where, where things, you know, set a higher precedence to us than Christ Jesus. Is. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the church, when she's right, when we're walking well, we are the force to be reckoned with. When Christ says, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not stand against her, he's not talking about having 
partial victories or a little bit of influence. He's talking about being powerful. And so when we talk about, man, being better together, when we talk about loving one another, being patient with one another, when we talk about forgiving one another and encouraging one another and putting away the, the, the sinful things in our lives, God's talking about the church becoming what he created us to be, his body. And it's not casual. And so as we continue on this morning in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to talk about living in the new self that we're supposed to put on every day in Christ and living in the new self in the world, right? We've talked quite a bit about what does it mean to live as a church, talking about really how we relate to one another, unity, like I said, patience, forgiveness, you know, long-suffering, all these great things, putting aside lying and stealing and, and you know, words from our mouth that shouldn't be there. Uh, those are hard enough. I mean, God is calling us to be this high-level church, this high-level body. He's not calling us to be selfish. He's not calling us to show up, you know, once a week and going, I did my church thing. No, that's not church at all. Usually that's just a selfish thing to appease your conscience that you go, hey, I went to church, now, now I can go do what I want to. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the body. We're talking about a body that when one part of it is sick, all of it is sick. Man, I had this lovely infection, still have this lovely infection that blew a hole out in my jaw, right? And, and, and supposedly that wouldn't affect all the rest of my body. Oddly enough, it does. Because somehow, you know, it's all connected in there. Well, guess what happens when we have this, this struggles that we have to be connected, to be loving, to be faithful, to serve, to plug in? It's just that simple. Something happens. What we need is the body to be healthy. That's tough. That takes some commitment. That takes some time. That takes some vulnerability. What it really takes is faith. Then I'm going to be connected to that church, and all those people are different than I am. But God, I'm trusting you. What a glorious thing it is to walk in the body trusting Christ. But when we add on to it that we're supposed to take all of that and move it out there, that gets to be a little bit higher level. And yet that's exactly what God wants for us. He wants us to be an influence in this world. And I, just so you know, I, I understand at some level, maybe more than you think, um, I was invited to go to the police department's awards banquet because they need a designated prayer. That's what, that's what I get to be. No matter where I go, I mean, if it's a birthday party or supper, you know, I'm a professional prayer because nobody else can do that when there's a pastor there. So I, I go, and uh, they have me come up, and they have me pray, and that's great, and I'm glad to pray for them. I, I'm thankful for these guys. And, you know, I know them all pretty well now. And, but, you know, I, I kind of move way back to the room. I actually kind of sit on a windowsill, you know, where I can just be out of the way because, you know, they're doing their things for them. And, and I'm kind of sitting there, and, of course, I, I just want to pray. But there's, there's moments as I'm sitting there, I'm like, why am I here, Lord? 
I don't belong. I don't belong. I mean, I'm meaning that at a certain level. And it's not because they would tell me I don't belong. They would tell me I do now, which is pretty humbling, actually. But I don't belong because I'm not like them. And I, I don't think like them. I don't respond to things like them. I, I don't honor the things that they honor all the time. And I'm not trying to degrade our police department. I love them, and I am thankful I can be a part of it. But I am still the freak in the room. I am. Because there's something about me that 99% of them don't have. And if you think that's easy, there's nothing easy about it. And yet, when I say to the Lord, what are you, why am I here? It's very clear. I am supposed to be here. And I'm supposed to be a freak. And I am supposed to make a difference in these guys' lives. There's nothing cheap about putting on the new self and living in this sinful world. It's powerful and it's deep and it's profound and it's life-changing and it is a struggle and it is a sacrifice and it is something that if we don't determine to do, we won't and we aren't. We aren't, not all of us, but as a church, College Heights should be rocking this city. I mean it. And that wouldn't matter because we have a decent number of people in our church. We should, I believe, small churches should be rocking their city. I believe large churches should be rocking their city. We are God's people. Man, I hope that as we continue to talk about the church that, that we will not just hear the word and go, yeah, that's true. We'll hear the word and go, what do I need to change in my life that I might be a part of the church, an intimate, integral part of the church that we could have an impact on our city. And man, I hope you pray. Even now, pray that God will he'll change us. And that we'll step up. Man, it scares me sometimes when we sing songs like break the levee, let it overflow, and we don't mean it. Every time we do that, we harden our heart. Every time. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the, light, light in the Lord." Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible, for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ 
will shine on you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to change us. We ask you, Lord God, to, to make us the men and women that we want to be in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would help us put on the new self created according to God's likeness, Lord, every day, every day. I pray that you'd help us win the battle against our flesh and the world and against the devil. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would, that you would wake us up. You would cause us, Lord, to rise up out of our indifference, out of our selfishness, out of our apathy, that you cause us to be alive in Christ Jesus. Fill us with your spirit. And I pray for those that don't know you here today, that even today they trust you, Lord God. They need you. You love them. You gave your son to die for their sins. And he rose again on the third day, and he is life. And I pray that they would trust him today. And Lord, I pray you'd move through your word, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here we come to chapter five, and, and we've been talking about kind of what it means to live in the new self. We talked about putting away lying and speaking truth and to be angry but don't sin and don't let the sun go down on your anger. And we've talked about those who used to steal should steal more so they can have some to share and talked about our language. There should be no foul language in our mouth and talked about some pretty specific things. But, but verse 20 or 32, excuse me, kind of leads us into this particular passage and it says, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ Jesus. And it's such a powerful little verse. It's just powerful. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, how powerful would it be if every day we thought, listen, I'm going to fill my life with kindness and compassion. And how hard would that be to walk with other people within the body of Christ if we are full of kindness and compassion? And how great would it be for us to be so forgiving that we would forgive because we have been forgiven in Christ Jesus? I mean, one of the things that we like to hold on to the most sometimes is forgiveness. Forgiveness is expensive. Forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is laying down ourself and our bitterness and our anger because we want justice against somebody else who's wronged us or hurt us or betrayed us. And, and yet, man... All of us, all of us, all of us have sinned far greater against God than anyone has ever sinned against us, far greater. And if he has forgiven us all of those things, then should we not forgive one another? I mean, it's powerful gifts from God that he calls us to. And then he brings us to kind of a transition verse in verse 5 and, or verse 1 and 2 it says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. And so he takes this great call to be kind and compassionate and forgiving. And he says, because of what Christ has done for you, therefore, be imitators of God. Man, what a, what a sweet call. You know, here we are. We've been literally, the Bible says, bought through the blood of Jesus Christ. He purchased us out of our slavery. He purchased us out of death. He purchased us out of his judgment. 
And the coming wrath, he purchased us, he bought us with his own death, the highest price possible. And so he says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And I love that. I love that little phrase, dearly loved children. You know, I talk to a lot of people, and there's, there's not very many people that I know that haven't been hurt by someone who loved them in this world. Not very many people. You know, the world is a hard place. It truly is a hard place. And sometimes we see people that have been hurt far worse than we have been hurt. And man, we grieve with them and we hate them or hate that for them. And, and we know that, right, loving is a very risky thing. But when it comes to being dearly loved by God, we have been dearly loved, fully loved, inexplicably loved. Why would he love us? And why would he love us to the extent that he would send his son for us? None of us deserve that. None of us deserve that. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none who is righteous, not even one. There's none who does good. And chapter 3 of Romans just goes down through that and talks about there's none of us. None of us can stand in God's presence and go, of course you love me. I'm so awesome. It's, it's not going to happen. We stand before God exposed as sinners to the nth degree, sin that we don't even sometimes acknowledge because of our blindness. And yet, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Dearly loved. And so he's telling us Man, if we are going to be the church and be better together, and if we're going to put on the new self and go into this world, first we need to understand that we are to be imitators of God because we're so loved by him that we want to be like him. We want to be like him in how we think. We want to be like him in what we do. We want to be like him in what we say. We definitely do not want to be like the world. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Then he says, as imitators of God, then we are to walk in love. And the love we're to walk in is the love that Christ had for us, who was himself a sacrificial, fragrant offering. So what are we supposed to do if we put on the new self and we walk among each other and if we walk out into this world and walk in the world among unbelievers, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to walk in the type of love that lays down our life for people that says, I might be uncomfortable here, or I might be uncomfortable speaking to you, or I might be uncomfortable with what you do or what you say, but I'm going to love you. And I'm going to love you deep. I'm not going to love you shallow. If I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to love you enough to be uncomfortable with you. If I have to speak truth to you, I'm going to love you enough to speak truth to you. I'm going to love you to the place where I put your good before my good, 
your salvation before my comfort. I'm going to love you. Man, what a, you, you want power in the church? You want to let some levees break? How about we start loving like Christ loved us? Because it is sweet and deep and people can't figure it out. Man, I've, they don't ask me this too much anymore, but when I first started riding with the police officers, they didn't know what in the world I was there for. And they would say to me, why are you here? Why do you want to ride with me? They, one of them told me not too long ago they thought I was a snitch. And uh, no, they really did. They're like, we talked about it, man. That guy's going to be a snitch. He's going to talk to the captain. He's going to talk to the chief. I told, I just tell them, they don't want to talk to me either, by the way. But anyway, I used to tell them, I'm here for you. That's the only reason I'm here. I'm here for you. God called me, told me, go in there for you. That's the only reason I'm here. And I used to tell them, if you don't want me to ride with you, I'll, I'll leave. I'm good. Listen, it's not a joke. God's not asking us to kind of fit in where we would like to fit in and to live like we would like to live and to discard those we would like to discard and to ignore those we would like to ignore and to shy away from those that are different from us. No, he wants us to love like he loves. He loved the unlovable. He loved the undeservable. He loved the wretched, putrid sinners that we all are. And he's calling us to be imitators of God and to walk in that kind of love. And then when we do, we are so blessed. Just walk in love. Just walk in love. And see if that's not a a balm to the hurts and the sorrows and the griefs that you've experienced in your life. Just see if it's not a balm that brings some healing. Well, what's so crazy about this is the transition from verse 32 of being kind and compassionate and forgiving by being imitators of God and walking in love like Christ. The next verse is, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not ever, not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. You know, I, I, I love to read the Bible and know that these verses are put there together because it doesn't feel like they're supposed to go together here. And you don't just get to hack these passages up. These, this was a letter. It was written with design under the Holy Spirit's leadership. So what in the world does it mean to be imitators of God and walk in love and then to have a say but sexual immorality and impurity and greed should not even be heard among you? Well, what it means is that there's no way to be imitators of God and to walk in love like Christ loved us and have this kind of immorality and sin in our lives. You don't get to claim you're walking with God when you have what I would call here unrepented sins in your life. And we'll talk a little more about that in a minute. Sexual immorality basically just refers to like the the gamut, if you will, of sexual sin. It can mean adultery. It can mean fornication, sex outside of marriage. It can mean pornography. It can mean homosexuality. It can go on and on and on. 
There's a list today of sexual immorality that's running rampant in our nation. But you can't be imitators of God and either be practicing such things. And I'll just be honest with you, you can't be imitators of God and support such things. It says, or any impurity. Impurity could be filth. It really refers to any kind of vileness in another wide range. And then it says, or greed. Some of us kind of love that we go, oh, I'm not really in any kind of sexual immorality, even though statistics today tell us that they, sexual immorality in the church is out of control. Just pornography alone is out of control. And church after church and church after church are twisting the word to make sexual immorality fit somehow in the context of Christianity and they're denying the truth of the word. Don't tell me it's not in the church. But we go, well, I'm not. Whatever, what about greed? Greed is just covetousness. It's the American pastime, isn't it? I want more, I want more, I want more. I got good, but I want more. I mean, I got this one, but it's not big enough. I got this one, but it's not nice enough. I got, later on in this passage, it calls it idolatry. It's idolatry because we want so much stuff that we don't have that it becomes the idol that we worship. And he's telling us through this passage, he's telling us, look, we are to be imitators of God. We're to walk in love. And there's nothing about godliness that walks in sexual immorality. There's nothing about godliness that walks in impurity. There's nothing about godliness that walks in greed. There's nothing godly about it. Godliness is purity. Godliness is holiness. Godliness is righteousness. I mean, one of the, one of the terrifying truths today within the American church is that we're not calling people to holiness. We're calling people to compromise. It's way easier to compromise. I mean, quite honestly, most of us go, well, God's not really, he's not really calling us to that high a level of commitment. Is he really? Nobody can live up to that. He's calling us to put on the new self. The new self made according to the likeness of God. In righteousness and purity of truth. That's what it says in his word. Put on the new self, right? And when we do that, then we begin to push out the sin. We don't stay in the sin. He goes on to list a little bit. He says, obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. I mean, obviously, we know what obscene and foolish talking or crude joking is all about. They're not suitable for one that has the new self, that has Christ in them. But man, there's a whole lot of crude talking. There's a lot of obscene talking. Man, there's some stuff that just ought not happen among believers because we have Christ and we're not like them. We shouldn't want to be a part of them. We should hate being a part of them. Matter of fact, instead of those kind of destructive type things that come from our mouth, we should be giving thanks and I'm not just talking about running around just saying, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. If you do that, hallelujah, that's great. 
But I'm talking about giving thanks by how we live and by avoiding such things and showing that God's in us and showing that we are more thankful to have Jesus than we are to have the garbage. Well, he goes on and he begins to kind of give us a warning in verse 5. For no, and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who's an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. <clears throat> well, there's some moments in the word of God where you should kind of maybe step back and, and really take in what the word is saying. Because he's telling us very clearly that sexually immoral, impure, or greedy people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God and of Christ, are not. Now, we don't just pass by that verse because sometimes people say, well, you know, once saved, always saved. Well, I believe that's true. That does not simplify this verse. I mean, does this verse mean that I think that we can lose our salvation if we get entangled in some sort of sin like this? No, I don't. I believe salvation is simply a work of God in our life, right? Matter of fact, this very book, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, says, In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. That word for sealed is this great word that means to be, to close in or to be encircled by or to be kept by. And so he's telling us even here that man's salvation is kept by God for us. First Peter chapter 1 talks about the inheritance that we've been given. It's kept for us, reserved for a time by God for the last days. And I mean, I believe that we are saved if, if we're saved. That's always the question. You see, what he's saying here is two things. If you are truly born again, he's not saying you're going to lose your salvation. What he's saying is if you're entangled in these sins, and, and it's not a comprehensive list of sins. If you're entangled in sin, if you don't care about your sin, if you're not repenting of your sin, if you have a hard heart, if you're judgmental, man, if, if you are condescending, if you're an alcoholic, if you're a drug addict, I don't care what it is, whatever sin you want to pick, if you're that person, you are not living in the new self. You've continued to put on the old self. You're not identifying that Christ is Lord of your life, and you're not walking in a way that honors Jesus Christ. There's no choice about it because the wrath of God is coming against these things, verse 6 says. In other words, God's not pleased with these things. God's going to judge the unbelievers because of these things that they commit as sin in their life. That's what he's talking about. But he's also warning us about this. That even here, even here today, are people sitting among us that say, I'm a Christian. Yeah, man, I prayed the prayer. I got dunked. I love when people tell me that. I got dunked. 
such reverence for what God would have us do and show. I'm a church member. My granddaddy was a preacher. My great-granddaddy. I love that. So what? I could care less about all your legacy. What are you? Are you born again? Has Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, changed you, renewed you, made you in the likeness of Christ? Are you being conformed to the image of Christ? Because if you're just flippantly living in unrepented sin day after day, when you don't care about being greedy, when you don't care about being worldly, when you don't care about gaining everything you can for yourself and you don't care about anybody else, when you don't care about the church, when you're not willing to just connect and serve and make the church as beautiful as she can be by you being faithful to her, when you don't care about those things, are you really telling me that Christ is in you? Are you really telling me that? And I'm not the one you need to tell. He already knows. The king of glory knows. Listen, having a relationship with the Lord God Almighty is not like having a relationship with me. I'm fallible at every side. He's pure and perfect and righteous. He's calling you to him. He's calling us out of the old self and out of the old manner of life into the new self and the new self isn't going to have anything to do with this. Matter of fact, he says, let no one deceive you with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Yeah, we live in a day where lots of people want to deceive you with empty arguments. You know, one of the primary arguments today is that, that there is no judgment, that God is not going to judge sin, that people are not going to go to hell. That if you just live a good life and if you try to, you know, get as much from this world as you can and build your kingdom here on earth, that there's going to be no consequences. Just eat, drink, and be merry. Right? It's the Epicurean way of life. Nice big word, isn't it? It's just garbage life is what that is. He says, don't let people deceive you. Don't let these frauds on the internet or these frauds on TV be telling you that, man, you, you can just get whatever you want out of this life. Live your best life now. What kind of garbage is that? That's just a lie. Best life now in a sinful, wicked, destructive world? No, our best life is when we get delivered from this world and walk into the presence of the living God forevermore, never to sin again, never to be sinned against again, never have another need physically, spiritually, emotionally, and have life in the presence of the living God and worship forever. That's the best life. And it's coming for those who know us. Man, these are warnings for us, guys. We gotta be careful. And then I love what it says in verse seven. It kind of just sums it up. Therefore, do not become their partners. 
do not become their partners. And what he's saying to us is, as we are imitators of God, as we put on the new self, we cannot become partners with sin. And we cannot become partners with sinners. We cannot. We cannot enter into the sexual immorality. We cannot enter into impurity. We can't enter into greed. We can't be like them. And that's super hard. Because again, false teachers are telling us Man, don't do things that make you stand out. Well-meaning sometimes false teachers are like, you know, let's just blend in. Let's be nice to them. Let's act like them. Let's have common interests with unbelievers. Let's do all this stuff with unbelievers so that, you know, maybe in the end they'll realize that we're really nice people and not see Jesus in us at all. That's what the false teachers say. Man, I, I know I use the police department as a pretty good example sometimes, but it's because it's, it's just blatantly obvious to me. I mean, I sit at these briefings with these guys, and again, I, I'm not, I don't drag them down. I'm super thankful for these guys, but they're a harsh lots sometimes, and they are a vile lot sometimes. And... Uh, so I sit in briefing with them, and man, they're going off. And there again, there's times I'm like, man, Lord, I just I'm just sitting there praying for them, and you know, it's hard to hear some of the stuff that I hear. But I always know that the sergeants are going to work their way around the table, and they're going to say to me, "What do you got for us today, chap?" And I always read scripture to them. Sometimes I'm like, I know, guys, this is a little bit different than what you've been talking about, but I think it'll help you. One time I read scripture, and this big old hoss of a guy with his canine dog said, we get done reading scripture, and he goes, well, that was awkward. (laughs) I'm like, and it's supposed to be, big fella. It's supposed to be. Listen, it will never be okay for a follower of Jesus Christ to shut out the gospel that reigns and rules in you to appease and to make comfortable those that aren't like you. Never. You and I are called to be the new self in this world that shows off Jesus Christ. Do not be partners with unbelievers. There's nothing in common between Christ and Belial or an unbeliever and a believer. Look it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Nothing in common. So, man, he's talking about being imitators of God. He's talking about what we are as we put on the new self when we go out in this world And let's go a little further. He says, for you once were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Why should we not be partners with those who have still still living in the old self? It's because we used to be darkness like them. Darkness represents sin and death. We used to be darkness like them, but now it says we are light in the Lord. I love that. We're not light because we do good things. We are light because Christ is in us. 
We are light because we put on the new self in Christ Jesus. And because Christ is in us, then we make this impact in the world. And man, that should be the formula, right? Christ in us, we make the impact. So it's very important for us to realize that, man, we are light in the Lord. So we shine because the light is in us. And we are to walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Man, if we are following Christ Jesus, if he is in us, then we are to walk with goodness and righteousness and truth. That should, that should be the testimony of our life. We are full of goodness. We're full of righteousness. And by the way, don't miss truth. It's a terrible thing today for Christianity because so many people don't want to speak the truth. It's just, it's just absolutely accurate. We are so afraid to speak the truth because if we speak the truth, maybe we're going to drive somebody away from God or maybe they're not going to like us. Well, if you'll speak the truth in love, you'll be just fine. That doesn't mean they're going to like you, but you should love them enough to tell truth to them. So how are we going to be light if we're not telling truth? You know, people that come to me and they tell me that they're living in sin, and quite honestly, sometimes they don't really know that it's even sin. So then I'm, I'm in this dilemma. They've come to me for help, and I'm going to spend 10 minutes with them. They're going to be mad at me, or I'm going to be, oh, you know, what I God loves you. See you later. What good would that do them? When they say to me, I'm having problems, and I say, well, tell me about your life. And they go, well, this is the big sin in my life, and I love it, and it doesn't hurt me. Something else must be hurting me. Can you tell me what else is hurting me? If I'd gone to the doctor and he said, hey, your bone is rotting in your jaw, or he knew that my bone was rotting in my jaw, and he went, you know what, I don't want to offend that guy and tell him he's got a rotten jaw. I'll just send him home and not treat him. That'd been awesome, wouldn't it? But we got this rotten, filthy sin in our lives, and then the people that know it's sin don't care enough about us to tell us it's sin because they love us? Guys, it's called cowardice. It's called ungodliness. It's called lying when you don't speak truth. It's not love. It, it's not. And because we've not spoken truth as a church, as people, then sin has gone farther and spread further and people are more deceived and now we're farther behind telling the truth trying to figure out how it got this bad and how sin got such a foothold in our country and in our city. It's because we weren't telling the truth in the first place. Man, if you want to walk with the new self, you better have some courage attached to it because that's what's required and it's required to have courage and love. Please love these people. We're not judge. We're not jury. We don't fix them. We don't change them. We walk in goodness and in righteousness and in truth because we love people and they need it. He says, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. 
And it, it, it literally means to scrutinize what is pleasing to the Lord. As we walk in goodness and righteousness and truth, then we're able to scrutinize, to see what's going on with God, what pleases God. But so many times we, we don't put on the new self and we're not looking to be pleasing to God. We're looking to be pleasing to self. Anybody here get up in the morning and go, what can I do for myself today? What do I have on my agenda? What do I need to accomplish what I want to see happen in my life? Or do you get up in the morning and go, Lord, you're my king, you're my savior, you're my God, you gave me life. What do you want from me today? How do you want me to live my life? Where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to say? Learning to scrutinize how to please the Lord, what's pleasing to him. I know, I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. It's a lot. So put on the new self. Put on the new self. Created in the, according to the likeness of God. Let Christ do these things in us. He says don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's, Shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible, but what makes everything visible is light. <clears throat> he tells us not only are we to not partner with unbelievers in the way that they live their lives, that we're to walk in goodness and righteousness and truth and know how to please the Lord, but he says just don't participate in the fruitless deeds of darkness. Don't. Do what they do. Don't act like they act. Don't watch what they watch. Now we're going to get personal. I love it when somebody tells me, it's not bad to watch filth. I don't find that sinful. Hmm. Maybe you should ask the Lord about that. Maybe you shouldn't be wrapped up in some documentary or some series that's all about sex and murder and violence and, you know, deception. Maybe you shouldn't be watching those things. The new self watch those things? About what you listen to. I know I'm getting personal now. I know. I usually hear about it at some point in time. I'm an old rock and roller. Back from the 70s, I still like to listen to my LPs, and you can't tell me I can't. Hallelujah. I can't tell you a thing. I can't tell you one thing. I can tell you this. When you participate in the fruitless deeds of darkness, you deny Christ. You just do. There's no way around it. You harden your heart and you don't live for him. And that's what he's calling us to. He says, instead expose them. How do we expose them? How do we expose the fruitless deeds of darkness? Well, we share the gospel with people. We share the truth with people. That's how we expose them. We share truth. Just like I said, when I read scripture at the, 
at the briefings, there's some times where those guys don't speak. It's several minutes before they'll speak sometimes because, man, they don't really know what to say. It is kind of awkward. And God's like, turn the screws up. I mean, sometimes you start with, man, God's good. He's with you. You can trust him. And then sometimes when an officer's shot in Sheridan and he dies, and I sit with these guys, it's time to turn the screws up. And then it's about you need Jesus Christ purely and simply to save your soul so that you know the next time you go out on patrol and somebody shoots you unexpectedly, you know where you're going. Man, do you love people? How do you sit and watch? How do you sit and watch lost people that you claim to love and not expose the deeds of darkness? They need to know they're sinners. I work with people that don't know that they're sinners. They've told me so. They don't know what they're doing is sinful. And I could just be, well, all right, live your life. You and I will just agree to disagree, but I won't tell you I disagree. Or I can tell them, that's not God's way. That's not what God's word says. And he loves you. He loves you. If you'll turn and walk with him, He'll give you life. I know when I say those things, it could be the end of whatever relationship I had at that point in time. Or it could be, and it has been, a man that now walks up to me and he takes me by the hand and he hugs me because I shared Christ with him and he trusted Christ and he's a new man. Do you not know that to be imitators of God, it takes courage and faith and love and it has to be repeated day after day after day after day after day. And you have to trust God with the consequences because if you don't shine the light in this dark and lost world, they are not going to come to know him. It's impossible. He says, it's shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. He won't even talk about it. But he says, everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is the light. And, and you know that. You can walk into a dark house and hit a switch and you can see everything. That's what we are as we walk in this world and we share Christ with people. We're the light that comes on in their lives. I've trucked down a mountain and I'm the worst guy in the mountains that you're ever going to find. And it's just getting dark and it's getting dark and I'm digging in my pack hoping to find a light because I'm just going to die if I don't find a light. And then stick my headlamp on my head and go, oh, okay, now I'll see the ravine I was about to fall into and go around it. <laughs> Listen, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out if they don't have light, they're not going to make it. And he finishes with this little saying. 
In verse 14, therefore it said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I believe what he's saying here is for us. Many of us are sleeping. Many of us have been dead to what God has called us to as part of the church. Dead to what God has called us to as our roles as followers of Christ. And he's saying, rise up. It's time to stand up. It's time to wake up. It's time to get involved with God and his ways. And when we rise up, his light will shine on us. And as he shines on us, we will shine out through others. Listen, how do we live the new self in this world? Well, we choose Christ. We choose him. There is no greater priority. There is nothing we want to live for more. There's nothing that we need more than Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And it is a high, high calling but it is where life comes from, where joy comes from, hope comes from, peace comes from. There's power in putting on the new self in Jesus Christ and submitting to him. Man, let's do it, huh? And if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today's the day. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you just like you are. You don't have to change your clothes. You don't have to get a different past. You don't have to be stronger. You don't have to be smarter. You don't have to be better. He loves you. And he's asking you to admit you're a sinner and asking you to confess him as Lord, that he's the one who died for you and rose again. And if you put your faith in him and you say, I'm yours, Lord, he'll save you today. It's right where you sit, he'll save you. Don't miss him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love. Thank you, Lord, that you've made a way for us to be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the Holy Spirit where we can put on the new self in Christ every day and live for you. Lord God, help us do that. For those that are enslaved to sin and yet know you as Savior, Lord, set them free, we pray. For those of us that are hard-headed and hard-hearted and don't want to turn away from sin, convict us, Lord God, and refuse to let us walk away from you. For those of us, Lord God, that are trying, struggling, coming back day after day, confessing our sins and walking further. Strengthen us, purify us, help us. And for those of us that are lost here this morning, I pray that today they trust you and that they be saved. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.